Welcome to the Lost Then Found podcast. This is a space where we discuss life, share truth, and gain an encouraging perspective no matter our season or our circumstance. I am your host, China Vogel, and this is a peek into my personal journey of being lost then found. Hey, welcome to the Lost and Found podcast. This is part two of This Is My Testimony series. And today we're going to be focusing on forgiveness. So it's a really good follow-up to last week if you didn't have a chance to listen. But I want to tell you about a story where, so a few years ago, Jessen and I are both working. We're talking pre-babies. And we ended up going to this conference where there was a bunch of our peers uh, at this thing. And there was a lady who was a few years ahead of me professionally as well. And so we did similar roles and I really liked what she did and I really looked up to her. And so I, uh, like a lot of us do, uh, probably watched her <laughs> via social media, even though she didn't live around here. And in my mind, I'm like, we should be friends. <laughs> we are going to be friends. So what do I do? I, walk up to her afterwards. I'm trying to be super intentional to connect. And I've got this big smile on my face and I just walk up and put myself out there and I'm like, hi, I was met with one of the blankest stares I think I've ever received and a brick wall in terms of conversation. (laughs) And, uh, that stung. (laughs) So you can imagine I walk over like a little kid with my (laughs) little offering and uh, walk over to talk to this lady and it just was not reciprocated. So years later down the road, um, I saw her post something on social media and I ended up saying something kind of off the cuff to Justin, nothing nasty or anything, but just made a comment about her and her life and said it to Justin, my sweet, wonderful husband. And he responded saying, Hey, you, you know, you need to let that go, right? I'm sorry, what? I need to let what go? <laughs> and after thinking about it, I realized he was right. Even even though that I didn't think that comment was revealing, it was. And even for a moment that seemed like in the grand scheme of life is pretty insignificant. I mean, we're talking about someone does not, like their world does not bump into mine. We don't even live like around each other. So in theory, why should this have been such a big deal? And how many of us have far larger areas and far larger and more significant moments and wounds that have marked us? I know I do. Uh, and you know, I heard a pastor explain something recently that I felt like she was talking right to me and maybe some of the experiences that I've had in my life. And what she was explaining was, uh, she was talking about trauma and what it can do. She's explaining how she travels around. She teaches at different churches all over the country. And inevitably, she ends up talking to people during her visit. And, you know, they'll be explaining this situation or that situation. And and they're kind of pouring their hearts out to her. And she's like, oh, I'm, I'm so sorry. How long ago was this? And inevitably, the person ends up saying, oh, five years ago. Uh, 10 years ago, 20 years ago, 
And from her perspective, she would have thought it happened yesterday, right? And the reality is, is that those people, even though that could have happened decades prior, their pain were almost as fresh as the day that it happened, right? And that, friends, is what trauma can do to us. It can end up trapping us there. It's like we get um, stuck. We can't move on. We can't see past it. And even though time has passed, that moment is still fresh, uh, still fresh as the moment that person said something about you, the moment that that person did something to you. And if this is you, like if you realize like, China, you're ringing my bell, <laughs> then friend, this is just a good sign that there's, that there's a wound there, right? And that there's an opportunity for healing and forgiveness to happen there. So this has been true for me, right? The conference is a really uh, small example, but there are far larger ones in my life where uh, those things marked me so deeply that it's like it froze me in that moment. And I, I can relate to what she was explaining where it feels like years were lost to being stuck in that place, to being stuck in um, not only what someone said or did to you, but the identity stuff that came out of that that what they said about you ended up changing how you think about yourself or what they did to you changed how you perceive relationships around you. Even if that's not accurate for the current relationship, right? And you know, like I referenced last week, we end up treating forgiveness like it's something that we hold on to as a way of having some power in the situation. And it makes sense, especially when we feel like we've been violated, when we feel like all the control of the rest of the situation has left for us, it makes sense that we would hold on to that to try and preserve some amount of control. But what unforgiveness does, let's talk about that. So unforgiveness, withholding forgiveness, it doesn't actually do anything to the other person or as much as we think it does. But instead, what it actually does and kind of what the deception and lie that the enemy would want you to believe is that it, it gives you this power, right? But in actuality, it reinforces that wound and preserves it. Let me say that again. You holding on to unforgiveness ends up reinforcing the wound and it preserves it. It's like you stuck it in the freezer to save for a rainy day. <laughs> Uh, it ends up saving it and keeping it in it, its current state. And I don't know about you, but I don't want it to stay like this. I want to heal. So if that's the case, if we want the wounds to heal, then we need to learn how to forgive. And I know just me saying what I just said is probably triggering someone who's listening to this. <laughs> and I know that it would have done the same to me. You know, there, there are some wounds that happened, that were out of abuse, that were out of neglect. And I need you to know that what I'm saying, forgiveness and healthy boundaries are two very different things. You can forgive someone and still maintain or even create a healthy boundary. These two things aren't mutually exclusive. Boundaries are put in place to help protect you, to safeguard what is important. And friend, if someone has repeatedly abused you, or violated you, first off, I'm sorry. Even if they never say it, I'm sorry. 
But if someone has abused you, violated you, and if you're dealing with, and here's kind of a key thing here, if you're dealing with someone who is unrepentant or unwilling to acknowledge their part, then boundaries established with God's wisdom and discernment are absolutely necessary. So I just want you to hear what I'm saying. What I am promoting, I'm not promoting being abused. I'm not promoting being violated over and over and over again. But what you do need to hear that I'm promoting is healing and wholeness for you. And the way to get there was implementing forgiveness. And that was a hard practice. But when I put that into practice in my life, I started putting pieces back together that seemed like this is just who I am. And it's not. (laughs) But we'll get to that. We'll get to the testimony part here in just a minute. So as an example, in recent history, I did some counseling where we ended up praying through and discerning areas of my life where there was unrest or wounded areas with the goal of, hey, let's, let's get whole, right? And friends, I've got to tell you, like, this is, this is a part of my testimony. This is becoming a very big part of my testimony, And like I said, I had believed for so long that this is just the way I am. I I didn't know any different, right? Like, especially if we're talking about wounds from childhood or um, when we were younger, it's all, a lot of times it's all we've ever known. We don't have a framework for what freedom looks like. We don't have a framework for what wholeness looks like. But I am telling you (laughs) that as I went through that process of prayerfully handing over the areas of deep pain and deep hurt, letting go of those moments. What it did is it ended up putting handles on that for me and you're handing it to Jesus, right? And the process uh, of doing that with those counselors, they're amazing. But more important, I'm not saying this place is the answer for you, but what is important is the process of forgiving was instrumental in my own life. And so this has been my testimony, friends, where I was bound in unforgiveness. Like I said last week, it was like a cage that I didn't even know I was sitting in and that Jesus had made a way like he had opened the door and I was still sitting in there. And he's like, hey, you can come out now. (laughs) And friends, I was hurt. I was very broken and I was tired and I, I didn't even know why I was tired. But the reality was I was tired of doing things the way that I knew how to. I just knew I was tired. I didn't want to do life like that anymore. I didn't want to see those wounds in my life replicating over and over and over again in my current relationships. So by me submitting to God and by his gracious and powerful hand, he allowed me to set down the very, very heavy weight of pain and unforgiveness. And in turn, he's allowing me to experience what it means to be light and free. And this is available to all of us as believers. Jesus came to set the captives free, right? He did that. He's doing that. That he came to, instead of the death that was dealt to us, give us life. He came so that way we could be whole and no longer stuck in our pain. And that is good news. Like how we need a savior. (laughs) Because left to ourselves without Jesus, man, I would be a, I'd be a mess. I'd be an absolute mess. And so friends, this is what I've learned from my own process. This isn't a comprehensive list, but these are some of the things that I've learned as I've 
invested here as I've allowed the Lord to work here, as I've allowed the Lord to convict me here, here are some of the things that I've picked up. Number one, forgiveness takes intentionality. So counseling, I showed up to do that because I had gotten to the point where I was like, I can't keep doing life like this. Something's got to break. Something's got to change. In that process, I sat down, prayed through those areas in my life, wherever the Holy Spirit wanted to lead me. And as those memories and as those things came to the surface, I started listing those things. I started systematically thinking through the different angles, thinking through the hurt. And it allowed me to start to speak out loud, Lord, I, I forgive this person for this. I forgive I forgive this person for this. And we're not doing that to just relive it. But what you do need to be able to do is get your head wrapped around it. As you're laying it out on the table, it's going to put handles on that. As you start to speak that out, and I'm telling you that illustration of the power of our words was profound through that. The tongue has the power of life and death, right? And I think being able to speak that out loud, even in faith, even if I knew I wasn't fully there yet, but me to say, Lord, I'm choosing, even if I know that there's parts of me that need healed here, Lord, I'm choosing to forgive this person. I'm choosing to lay this down. And those handles allow you to pick it up and hand it to God. So forgiveness takes intentionality. So number two, we give what we want to get. A few scriptures for you here. So Luke 6, 38, it says, give and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. Matthew 6, 14, 15, for if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly father will also forgive you. But if you forgive others their trespasses, neither will your father forgive your trespasses. So friend, we got to look at this in the face. What are you giving? Or better yet, what do you want? What would you want someone to give you if the roles were reversed? Because what you give is what you'll get. And that leads me to number three, where we remember the cross. I heard a pastor refer to it as this a few months ago. And to be honest, it actually made me squirm a little bit, just the thought of it, but the heart behind it, I loved. And he, he was talking about keeping the blood warm. It's a little cringy. I get it. But what he's meaning when he was saying that was don't let the blood go cold. Like don't let yourself get away from the reality of the cross and what Jesus did and in turn, let it lose its power and freshness in your life. And we need to keep that reality in front of us because so often it's really easy to point out the stuff we see in others. But in, in the process of us doing that, we lose sight of the fact that we are blind, <laughs> we are filthy, and we're the same people who unintentionally and sometimes not so unintentionally hurt other people. And we need forgiveness. We need people's grace and we need God's grace as well. So Luke 6, 41, it says, why do you look at the speck in your brother's eye, but fail to notice the beam in your own? How can you say, brother, let me take the speck out of your eye while you yourself fail to see the beam in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the beam out of your own eye and then you will see 
clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. So remembering what Jesus did for me, it allows me to stay postured in a place of humility to realize, hey, I'm a sinner. Hey, I'm not, I'm not above them just because they hurt me. But that place of humility, it's only going to allow my heart to be healthier for dealing with the hurt and the, the forgiveness that I need to give. Colossians 3, 12 through 14, the passion translation says, you are always and dearly loved by God. So robe yourselves with virtues of God, since you have been divinely chosen to be holy. Be merciful as you endeavor to understand others and be compassionate, showing kindness towards all. Be gentle and humble, unoffendable in your patience with others. Tolerate the weakness of those in your family of faith, forgiving one another in the same way that you have graciously been forgiven. Oh, and here's the punchline, friends. If you find fault with someone, release the same gift of forgiveness to them. For love is supreme and must flow through each of these virtues. Love becomes the mark of true maturity. And friends, we can be marked by true maturity. We put on love, bearing with one another's weaknesses, and we're choosing to be gentle, to be humble and unoffendable. Even if someone stepped on our toe all the way to doing absolute horrible things to us. We can be gentle. We can be humble. We can be unoffendable. So we remember the cross. We've got to figure out ways to like keep that fresh. That can't just be when we're sitting and partaking of communion. <laughs> like that's not just for communion. That is a, like, that is a mark of the gospel we believe. Like that is foundational. And then finally, one size does not fit all. So process by definition is a series of actions or steps taken in order to achieve a particular end. That means it could be one and done, or it could be a lot and done. And that's okay. (laughs) You may forgive and then six months later get triggered and realize that, oh, there's another angle to this uh, that I didn't see, that I didn't process through, and I'm still stuck there. And that's okay. So what we do, if we run into that again, you repeat and you repeat and you repeat. You make room to process. You lay it out. I I forgive that person of this. I forgive that person of this angle. We put handles on it and we hand it to God. We don't hold on to it anymore. The, The hurt, the offense may take a few times, but your commitment to showing up and inviting the Lord into that pain will allow his power to be shown even in your weakness and even more so in your weakness. His power is made perfect in your weakness. So you may feel like I don't have it in me to do this. You show up with that broken offering. You still show up because I promise you, you show up when you feel like you've got just like a speck a mustard seed of faith that God could actually do it. And he will say, oh, my child, (laughs) my strength is made perfect in your weakness. So to hit on those again, forgiveness takes intentionality. What you give is what you're going to get. We remember the cross and one size does not fit all. So Luke 6, 37 through 38 says, do not judge and you will not be judged. Do not condemn 
and you will not be condemned. Forgive and you will be forgiven. Give and it will be given to you a good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over. It will be poured into your lap for with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. So don't judge, don't condemn, but forgive. And friend, we're going to wrap up with this. Ephesians 1, 7. In him, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace. Redemption is from the Greek, apolytrosis, if I'm saying that right, meaning ransomed or restored by the payment of a price. Friend, Jesus paid with his body, with his blood, for you to be restored. And he was put down as payment for you so you could be restored, so you could be redeemed. And being redeemed means to be set free and rescued. So you can lay that burden down today. You can lay unforgiveness down. You can lay offense down. You don't have to carry it anymore. Like I'm just a mouthpiece for the Lord right now. You do not have to carry that anymore. Not a day longer. Do you have to carry that? Let's pray. Jesus, I just want to say thank you. Thank you that you, Lord, that you know what it's like. Scripture says that you knew every trial, every suffering, that you experienced it all. And so God, you know, you know what it is we're facing. You know, the hurts and the wounds that are represented and the ears of people listening. So Lord, I pray that you being the good shepherd would do exactly what it is that you do. God, that you lead us, that you help us to lie down by still waters. God, that you restore my soul. And God, I just thank you that that offer is extended. God, that offered every person that, hey, you don't have to carry that anymore. That is not your burden to carry anymore. And Lord, I just think of that scripture, that your yoke is easy and your burden is light. So God, even if this is all we've ever known, like for me, God, it was all I've ever known. God, your yoke is different. Your ways are different. In humility, we say, Lord, I don't know how to do this. <laughs> Lord, I didn't know how to do this, but God, I trust that my good shepherd is going to lead me through it. And so I pray for those listening, God, that you would, even in this moment, start to reach into those, those deep places, those dark, dark holes, those dark wounds in their hearts and their souls and their very spirit, God, and that you would start to bind up the wounds, God, that you'd bind up the broken hearted because it's who you are. So Lord, I ask for that. We recognize that you're our savior and you paid for this. And Lord, we don't want to carry something that you already bought and paid for. So Lord, you can have it. We trust you. We love you in Jesus name. Amen. Well, hey, thank you so much for joining me today. Once again, if this ministered to you, share it with a friend. I'm going to be praying that you have a good week. And as a final note, friend, as you start down this journey, you need to know that the enemy is going to try and distract you. And that is not to get you afraid, that's to get you prepared. I'm going to be praying that the Lord equips you this week to just be your shield, to be your protector, because he will be. 
and I'll be praying you have a blessed rest of your week.